This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Rising death toll. Behind every one of those numbers is an individual. Navy chief resigns. He wouldn't have had to resign. I would not have asked him. Lockdown ends. Wuhan celebrated a liberation. Good morning. I'm Steve Kathan in northern New Jersey with the CBS World News Roundup. Around 2,000 Americans died of the coronavirus yesterday, the most for a single day since the pandemic began. A grim milestone in a week the Surgeon General warned would be the hardest and saddest of our lives. Here's CBS's David Begno. We've been called to a bedside. Dr. Sanam Ahmed, who works in critical care at Mount Sinai Hospital here in New York, recorded this video diary. She says she's been encouraged by the number of patients who were coming off of the ventilators. It's sort of a reminder of the resilience that we have as human beings. The elderly population is being hit hard at nursing homes around the country. She's definitely worried. I think she thinks this is it for her. Wendy Aziz's 90-year-old mother, Dorothy, lives at an assisted living facility near Los Angeles. She's unsure whether bringing her home is the right thing to do. She called her Tuesday night. If you would feel safer here, we'd love to have you here. You're a superwoman and you can do anything, but I don't even think you could protect me from this. (laughs) And here's hope for those on the other side. David Latt spent most of the last month battling COVID-19, including 17 days in the hospital. He says he did receive at least four different drugs, the anti-malarial hydroxychloroquine and the antibiotic azithromycin. I think it's hard to tell whether the medications helped, hurt, work together. We need more research in this area. Death has found its way into the supermarket as the virus hits workers on the front lines as they get much-needed supplies into our hands. CBS's Adriana Diaz says that includes two people at an Illinois Walmart. Everybody at Walmart loved him. When Angela McMiller called to check on her brother, Philip Thomas, at the hospital, a nurse came to the phone instead. 
He said, well, we did everything we could. And I said, wait a minute. Are you telling me my brother passed away? 48-year-old Thomas, who'd worked for Walmart for nine years, died two days after calling an ambulance for himself after struggling to stand up. Do you know if your brother was wearing a mask and and gloves at work? None of them were wearing bad masks and gloves. For employees trying to keep up with customer demands, there's no break. Grocery store workers in Boston demanded masks and gloves, fully paid sick leave and hazard pay. Some stores have installed floor markers and plexiglass, including Walmart. The company is also now limiting customers in stores, providing masks and gloves for employees who want them, and taking their temperatures upon arrival. President Trump has ousted the inspector general who was overseeing the $2 trillion virus rescue package. House Speaker Pelosi called the move retaliation against independent overseers. White House correspondent Ben Tracy says Mr. Trump is also taking aim at global health officials. They missed the call. The president is shifting blame for the spread of the coronavirus to the World Health Organization, saying it should have provided better warnings. They didn't report it. If they did see it, they must have seen it. The organization labeled coronavirus a global health emergency in January. I'm declaring a public health emergency of international concern. Meanwhile, the president says he was not aware of memos written by his trade advisor, Peter Navarro, in late January and February that warned of a full-blown COVID-19 pandemic that could infect 100 million Americans. I heard he wrote some memos talking about pandemic. I didn't see him. I didn't look for him either. The president did ban most travel from China and formed a coronavirus task force in late January but then downplayed the threat publicly. I think it's going to be under control. The president now says he did not want to alarm the country. I don't want to create havoc and shock. When I was saying that, I'm also closing it down. The president indicates the acting Navy secretary did the unselfish thing by resigning. CBS's Cammie McCormick says it brought an end to a chapter that began when the virus broke out on an aircraft carrier and the captain spoke up about it. Defense Secretary Esper says Thomas Modley resigned on his own accord. Modley's resignation came just hours after he apologized for a profanity-laced address he gave to the crew of the USS Theodore Roosevelt, one in which he called their fired captain naive or stupid. Overseas, China has just lifted the lockdown restrictions in Wuhan, where the virus outbreak began. Asia correspondent Ramey Innocencio. At the stroke of midnight, Wuhan celebrated liberation from its 76-day lockdown, honoring its frontline workers in a light show. Drivers sped off as highways reopened and high-speed trains departed just after dawn. Along city streets, cherry trees are now blossoming as shoppers return to reopen stores. A new pandemic directive has gone out in the nation's second largest city. Starting Friday, Los Angeles is adding new requirements for essential workers. All employees of many non-medical essential businesses will be required to wear cloth face coverings. Mayor Eric Garcetti's order will cover a wide range of businesses. This applies to workers in grocery stores, drug stores, restaurants, hotels, taxis and rideshare vehicles. And if customers are not wearing face coverings, they can be denied service. Steve Futterman, CBS News, Los Angeles. The coronavirus has claimed a celebrated and beloved singer-songwriter, 73-year-old John Prine. Hello in there. His songs range from social commentary to glimpses of personal lives that could move a listener to tears. Sam Stone came home 
Early on, Fine worked as a mailman, which he said gave him a lot of time to think about music. When I get to heaven, I'm going to shake God's hand. John Prine survived a bout with cancer, but he couldn't survive the coronavirus. Sam Litzinger, CBS News. The mayor of Alton, Illinois, told his police force to more strictly enforce a stay-at-home order. Well, a few nights later, the mayor's wife was among those cited for being in a crowd at a bar. Mayor Brant Walker called it a stunning lack of judgment. Plenty of us stuck at home are longing for some interesting entertainment. CBS's Dean Reynolds was able to punch his ticket without going anywhere. The other night, I went to Chicago's Theater Wit. Welcome, remote viewer from your home. Well, I didn't exactly go there. There you go. That's the artistic director, Jeremy Wexler, taking me on a virtual trip to the stage, where weeks ago the performance, a modern adaptation of Richard III, was taped in front of a live audience. It's easy, Dick. Talk less, shower more. We just couldn't bear the idea that none of this work was going to be seen. So they moved the taped performance online. I watched the play from my $28 seat at home. I thought it was the coolest thing. Chris Jones, the Chicago Tribune's theater critic, said the artists and stagehands will still get paid. We're all going to need them when we come out of this. The show must go on. Dean Reynolds, CBS News, Chicago. That's the World News Roundup. I'm Steve Kathan, CBS News. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.